0: The 2022 State Fair Classic Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl One ticket Gets you into the fair and the big game Also, Grammy Award winning Ashanti Live Then the classic kicks off at a new time 6 p.m. New coaches Old rivalry And an iconic halftime battle of events Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com Sponsored in part by City of Dallas Dallas Sports Commission McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Chevy Cricket Wireless Methodist Hospital Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Monday, August the 8th. I'm Donald Ware. We continue on with the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Hope you had a wonderful weekend as HBCU camps continue. And we're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, the head football coach of Florida A&M has done a tremendous job. The Rattlers, as a matter of fact, last year uh, had an at-large berth in the FCS playoffs that had been since the latter part of the 90s, the last time a SWAC team got an at-large berth to the uh, FCF or uh, Division I AA playoffs. Willie Simmons joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Coach Simmons, appreciate your time. How are things going in camp so far?
1: Man, things are going well. It's it's Florida, so it's hot. (laughs) uh, But the guys are working extremely hard, and uh, we're making a lot of progress. Really talented football team. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to get better every day as we get closer and closer to, to August 27th.
0: The talent is crazy. Of course, our All-America, the HBCU All-America team was released on Thursday. We've got a number of players on that team, uh, including Isaiah Land, bowler uh, from last year, defensive guys. your offense, you know, Xavier Smith, part of your, you got the rack boys, all that, I mean, like you've got a phenomenal team. Let me sum up last year, just your thoughts on last year in the season that the Rattlers had?
1: Well, you know, obviously last season, uh, one, many people got a chance to go along for the ride uh, due to the the ESPN docuseries, Why Not Us? And so we're excited to be able to chronicle the 2021 season. You know, obviously it it started on a sour note, dropping the first game by one point uh, to Jackson State down in Miami uh, in the Orange Blossom Classic. And after that game, I, I thought the team responded really well. Uh, We we started to come together, started to get closer as a team, and uh, and we reeled off nine straight wins Uh, and ended up becoming, you know, the number one, uh, number two team in uh, in black college football throughout most of the year behind Jackson State. And, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to earn in in that large playoff bid, as you alluded to. Uh, First time a SWAC team in over 20 years, first HBCU, I think, in six years. And so Uh, when you look back on the season, did a lot of great things. Obviously, uh, the the standard here is extremely high, so – we're not satisfied, you know, and that's the thing that the team and I have continued to talk about is that even though last season had some great moments, uh, we didn't accomplish our ultimate goal of winning the Celebration Bowl and being black, true Black College National Champs, and so uh, those guys that return from that team are extremely hungry, led by Zell Lane, you know, the Buck Becoming Award winner, uh, uh, Xavier Smith, um, you know, Chris and a lot of those guys, uh, they feel they have unfinished business, and so again, great, you know, good, really good season last season, but uh, the expectations here are, are much higher and these guys are working towards it every day
0: it's a tough deal right like like the schedule is going to be what it's going to be that classic you open up against Jackson State last year saying that was a, a it was a tough ball game a, it was actually a good game to watch you're talking about you know yeah you played in the spring I get that but but still I mean it's not the same thing it's a seven to six game only game you lost in the conference and you know, ultimately, it led to you going to FCS. It happens again this year uh, with that game. How tough is that to have to play, not only a in a, 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 a swack opponent, a conference opponent, but also a divisional opponent as well?
1: Well, yeah, you know, obviously, when we when we you know brought back the Orange Blossom Classic, uh, we were still members of the MIAC, and so at the time, you know, we thought that we were just having a really good swack versus MIAC. Uh, you know, slate to start the season, right? In uh, Jackson State, we were able to secure them for two years. And then going into the third year, you know, we were going to look for another opponent. And, um, you know, after the contract was signed, obviously we made the decision uh, as a university to leave the MEAC and join the SWAC. And so it immediately became a conference game. Like you said, the way the conference was, uh, you know, realigned, uh, we became divisional uh, foes on the East. And so, again, it's just the luck of the draw. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always tough when you're the quote unquote, two top teams and going into that game, uh, coach prime and i talked about that, you know, at midfield and we were both candid about whoever wins this game is more than likely going to represent the swag, you know, in the celebration bowl. And and obviously that became true. They went undefeated. We lost that one game to them. So, um, it's a game with high stakes. Um, but that makes more for the pageantry. It makes it probably the most anticipated HBCU game, um, on the on the slate this year, and and, and arguably maybe one of the top uh, most in, uh, highly anticipated FCS games, you know, this year, it's a national televised game, ESPN two, and um, I, I think the, the eyes of Black college football and college football in general will be on that game due to the fact that you have uh, Travis Hunter, right, number one recruit in the nation that signed at Jackson State. You have Coach Prime, who you know, who's a polarizing figure in and of itself. And then you have a brand as strong as FAMU uh, that has been doing this for a long time, and so again, uh, we're excited about the opportunity. Obviously, if you had, you know, your pick, you wouldn't pick, you wouldn't play the toughest game probably on your schedule in the first game of the season, the first conference game. Uh, but again, you you, you got to win the games you play, and you got to play the games on the schedule. And so we don't have any control of that. It's just our job as a coaching staff, our job as players to prepare ourselves mentally and physically for to be more prepared than them. Come come September September 4th down in uh, in, uh, Miami Gardens. For those that are listening to this podcast,
0: that is the voice of the head football coach of Florida A&M, Willie Simmons, who joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. For those watching, you can see him right there. Uh, See if the season started today. Let's talk some personnel. Let's talk some players. The season started today. Who's your starting quarterback?
1: (laughs) You you know I'm going to ask. You you know I'm going to ask that. You put me on the spot, so... Um, if the season started today, the first play of the game, we'd line up in some type of wildcat situation where two quarterbacks would be on the field at once. And uh, those two guys would be Rashawn McKay and uh, and, and Jeremy Musa. So the first play would be a trick play. Um, and, and so we wouldn't have to necessarily name a, a quote unquote starting quarterback. That's, that's, if we had to play today, that's what it would look like.
0: You wait a minute. Now, let, let me think back. You majored in communications, right? Some kind of yeah, PR, marketing. too, in my right. Marketing. That's marketing. Marketing. Oh, oh, oh that's even, even more. It's a great <laughs> answer. That's a great marketing answer. Love it. Uh, so, what do these two young men I know? You got the battle. I mean, obviously, you got the battle with, with these two guys. Speak to what each brings to the table.
1: Well, the one thing that Rashawn, obviously, who's the incumbent, brings to the table is just. The first thing is mental toughness. You know, I've been around this game as a player and a coach uh, really now for, for 33 years of my life. And uh, I can't definitively say that I've that I've been around a more mentally and physically tough young man. Uh, to, to endure what he had to endure last season after the tough loss versus Jackson State, obviously he did not play his best game. Um, you know, again, had everyone, the Rattler Nation was, was coming after him uh, because of the expectations here at FAMU to play the position. Uh, but all he did was bounce back, lead us to nine wins, uh, throw for 22 touchdowns and only five interceptions. And, and I know we had one of the best seasons. Ended up, you know nine-game losing streak, a 10-year streak to our in-state rival, you know. And so again, just the mental toughness that he brings. Uh, physically, he can take a shot. You know, he he took plenty of shots last season and bounced right back up and, and, and kept going to war. And when 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 teammates see that from the quarterback. Because typically the quarterback is kind of as the prima donna. He wears a different color jersey in practice. He's the only one that's not getting hit. If you touch the quarterback, as you saw with the Buffalo Bills, uh, you, you, you're going to get cut, right? <laughs> right. You, you touch, the, the, touch the trigger man, bad things happen. Right. And so when those guys see the quarterback being the hardest working guy in the weight room or one of them, you know, uh, putting the putting time and effort and energy in and film study and walkthroughs and practices, uh, in wake sessions, uh, it, that brings a level of toughness to your football team that really took us a long way last year. And you know, He has a live arm. You know, he can make most of the throws that that, that we require him to make. And, um, you know, he, he has experience now. And so that's what he brings. But then Jeremy, on the other hand, is a guy that, that has a ton of arm talent. Um, he can make every throw, right? He throws amazing touch passes. He anticipates throws phenomenally well. Uh, he runs, you know, sneaky fast to be able to get himself out of danger and extend plays. And uh, he's a very heady cerebral guy, you know, so again, can can check protection at the line of scrimmage, um, does a really good job of, of thinking ahead to to you know the next play. And um, and the only thing that you know, we don't know about him right now is just again, how would he do in live action, right? Because again, we we have a sample size of Rashawn McKay over nine games or over, over eleven games in 2021. And, but we don't have a sample size of Jeremy. So, again, we're working through that now to see, you know, again, which which guy gives us the best chance to win. And, again, it may be a situation where they both get their chance, you know, in game action. So uh, we don't have to name one today, and they both understand that. And what they do daily is a part of that evaluation process. Everything they do will be graded, will be evaluated. And by the time we get ready to take the uh, take the plane to go to Chapel Hill, uh, we feel we'll be able to name a guy that we feel should take that first, uh, first nap and rightfully so, because he's done the most consistently over 25 uh, days of training camp.
0: Yeah. I want to, and I want to talk a little bit more about that, Chad, but now you come into our area uh where we are. Uh, we'll talk about that momentarily, whoever your starter is, going to have uh, any number of receivers to throw the football to. I mean, led by, I mean, you know, it's hard to – but Xavier Smith, I mean, he's the one that's getting most of the publicity. But, he's, you've, I mean, he's got a number of guys. Speak to to that, and that's going to help to settle whoever – not settle, but it, it helps tremendously whoever that quarterback is going to be.
1: Yeah, no, I think so. You know, anytime you're a quarterback you have weapons at, at your disposal, um, you know, that, that increases your chance for success. And so when you can turn around and look out wide to see a guy like Xavier Smith you know, who's a thousand yard receiver, explosive guy, you know, NFL prospect, Walter Payton, uh, you know, uh, preseason watch list guy. You look over the other side and see Jamari Esheri, uh, another dynamic guy, let the nation punt return yards. David Manigo, um, you know, we, we, we talked the other day, you know, Kobe Durant from South Carolina State uh, was a fourth round draft pick and he's making headways out of L.A. with the Rams right now. And his toughest opponent over the last two years was David Manigault. Uh, probably no, no one from Clemson, uh, no one from the other, you know, uh, FBS schools he played. David Manigault is a receiver that's probably caught close to 200 uh, yards in receiving on him over the last couple of years. And so we have guys like that. And then even our tight ends, you know, Kamari Young, Jeremiah Pruitt, um, you know, Trey, uh, Kobe Gross, a transfer from Florida State. You know, we have a number of guys that are playmakers out wide. And, and that gives us the flexibility to spread the field, uh, to utilize that talent, that athleticism, and really push the ball vertically and horizontally, like we, like we, you know, really want to do in this offense.
0: Who, it, it, like Bonnet's gone, uh, uh, so who, you know, who's that guy? Who's going to be that guy to tote the rock for you this year?
1: Well, you know, last year uh, Bishop really separated himself from the pack. You know, we went into the season. Um, with kind of a three-headed monster at running back, so to speak, with Bishop on it, Terrell Jennings, and Jalen McLeod. And uh, Bishop just continued to just stack plays on top of plays and was a really, really big play guy, explosive guy for us. And so he started to to, to distance himself from the other two. Um, Terrell and and Jalen are both returning. You know, uh, Terrell for his fourth year, Jalen McLeod for his uh, his last year. And um, both those guys are hungry. You know, they're both big backs, big powerful backs. Terrell's 230. Jay McCloud's in that 240 range, and you know they're both guys that can give us those tough inside yards. Um, AJ Davis, you know, transfer from uh, from you know from Pitt to James Madison, you know, who's a local guy, Lakeland guy. Um, he's 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 shown a lot of great ability doing training camp. You know, we're really excited about his prospects of, of being in that mix. The more he learns, the more he you know, understands what we do with protections and all those things. Uh, he's another 215 pound. Uh, back with really good feet, really good balance, and uh, really good vision. And then you have DeAndre Francis, a young guy who's in that Bishop Bonnet mode of a smaller guy, fast, uh, 10, 500-meter guy. That's uh, that's kind of a lightning-in-the-bottle guy. And then the other guys as well. Isaiah Connolly, transferred from Coastal Carolina, um, is another guy that's going to be you know in the mix. And so every every position is heavily uh, uh, is a, a highly uh, competitive group that we have that's one of the positives about the roster that we've been able to build over the last four years is that for the first time there's not a position that we can look to and say well if that first guy goes down hey we may be in trouble i mean most positions we're really three sometimes even four deep and that that's uh, that's a testament to our recruiting staff that's a testament to our academic staff uh and everyone who's been involved in, in in really building this roster to the way we want it to be and and giving us a chance to go out and win a win an outright championship
0: defensively uh you know I mean you you look at bowler in at, at, at one of your defensive back positions um you look at land I mean you know the 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 defending uh national uh defensive player of the year speak to the defense as a whole but in specifically land and what the expectations for him are this year coming off in a sensational 2021
1: well, you know, the thing about our defense, uh, we talk all the time about um, excellence being our standard, right? That's our team model. Excellence is our standard. And so last year, our, our defense finished top 10 nationally uh, in a lot of different categories. I think we were one of only two teams <coughs> to finish top 10 in run run defense and pass defense. Uh, we were, you know, top 15 to 20 in virtually every major defensive uh, statistical category. And so defensively, we played as well as anyone in the country last year. But, again, it goes to that same point. That guys aren't satisfied. You know, that wasn't good enough, right? The goal here is to be number one. Right? Until we c- claim that spot as the number one defense in all of FCS football, those guys are hungry, right? And so that's led by Isaiah Land. Um, you know, he is just – I can't even explain, you know, what he is as far as just a, a, a disruptor on the defensive side uh, Coach K.J. Black, who obviously was my office coordinator last year with the L.A. Rams, uh, we've spoken a few times, you know, since he's been there, and he talks about how Aaron Donald just disrupts practice. Like, they cannot practice when the first-team defense for the L.A. Rams goes against the first-team offense because Aaron Donald's so disruptive. Like, literally, Scott McVay, the head coach, has to pull Aaron Donald out of drills, so that they can get work done. Right. It's a, it's the same for us with Isaiah Lane. I mean, like if he's out there, it's very, very difficult for the offense to get in any type of rhythm uh, because, again, he's just so tenacious, so athletic, so explosive. And uh, he, he's put on 15 really quality pounds of muscle in the offseason and adding more and more each day. And, man, I tell you what, uh, uh, Marquise Bell for us has been the, the just the epitome of a dominating defensive Player, uh, I think Isaiah Land will, will gladly take that mantle and run with it. And if there's a more um, explosive defensive player in America, I, I'd really like to see it because that that, that young man is just—he's he, a one—he's a once to me. He's a generational talent as a defensive end. But um, you know, BJ Bowler, David Morgan, Levy uh, Jenkins, those guys in the back end, uh, Kendall Bowler, BJ's brother. Uh, they're, they're You know, all they've heard for the last year is who's going to replace Marquise Bell? Who's going to replace Marquise Bell? And so they're eager and anxious to prove to everyone that the the, the dark cloud defense in the no fly zone is still in effect. And so again, um, I think we made significant upgrades to our to our depth across the board at linebacker and the defensive secondary, uh, and even up front. And so I, I, I really anticipate us having a dominating defensive unit. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing those guys continue to, to, to grow and develop together. Uh, we've added two new coaches to the defensive staff with James Cozy and um, Devon Morgan, and uh, we're excited about what they bring to the table as well. And, uh, again, I think we're going to have a defense that keeps us in uh, a lot of ball games this year.
0: You know, this is what's interesting in, in this in this time of not only NIL but the transfer portal. I mean, I look at you – Um, You know, you played quarterback, obviously, starting quarterback at Clemson. You wanted to transfer to Florida A&M when Florida A&M was making that move to 1A. At the time, it didn't quite work out. You grew up in the area. You knew about Florida A&M. And you've, you've toted the rock for not only FAMU, but HBCUs as well. So my question is this, in this time of the transfer, Porter, you've got a Xavier Smith that played for you uh, in 2019 that decided to stay with Florida a and Isaiah Land decided, you know, you have all of these guys where you've got a lot of guys that are transferring could get more, more publicity. I mean, HBCUs are hot right now, right? But could, could possibly get more publicity. You're able to keep your team intact. What are, you, what are you telling a lot of these guys that make them stay with the program?
1: Well, one, I think, is about building a program uh, where they can see themselves being being successful. Um, you know, the money is attractive, right? The, 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 the big lights, the, the name recognition, the, the potential for NIL, you know, all those things are attractive to an 18 to 23-year-old. Um, but at the end of the day, these guys want to be at a place that they feel is genuine, is authentic, organic, uh, and, and that it gives them a chance to be themselves and, you know, achieve, accomplish the goals that they set for themselves in life. And that's what we've really tried to work hard to build there at FAMU. I take great pride uh, in the fact that, you know, we've only had, I think, maybe five guys in the transfer portal over the last three years. And of those five, uh, all but one uh, have graduated. Uh, they've all been graduates by the time they leave. And so, again, the ultimate goal is, is allow them to get a great education and a degree from the number one public HBCU in America. And they... Again, four of those five young men have done that, and so when they accomplish that goal, we have that realistic talk, and, and we talked about where they are within the program, what the plans and expectations are for them, and for those guys, you know, they they wanted an opportunity, much like I did when I left Clemson, the chance to finish their careers as, as possible starters, and so uh, we have not had a starter transfer, uh, we have not had a, a guy that's given a significant playing time transfer, and again, I think that's a testament to the culture that's been built not only here within the football program, uh, but at the university, again, these guys feel a, a different love, a different, a different level of care, um, here that maybe they get at other places And the transfers that we brought in. They echo that sentiment. We have our one-on-one talks. Um, they all talk about how it feels finally at home. They finally for the first time in college feel like they're the place that they can be themselves That they feel love and care. And that's, that's really what it's all about. And, and I think, uh We'll continue that, and hopefully we'll be able to keep and retain our top talent here on the highest of seven hills.
0: Couple of last thoughts. Willie Simmons, fifth season as the head football coach at FAMU, joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily podcast. Carolina, so you're coming this way uh, up to Chapel Hill. Um, you know how did that come up? It's um, I guess with Chapel Hills, it's maybe a celebration of HBCUs and so forth. How did this? How did this? And you specifically. Uh, be chosen, I guess. If I don't know if that's the proper word, but chosen for this game. How did all of that come about?
1: Well, yeah, I think um, a few years ago, you know, the conversations were had. You know, obviously, they were looking uh, for a game uh, against an HBCU, and um, you know, there were some connections along the way. That's typically how uh, these type of games happen when they're out of state. You know, if it's not an in-state power five or, or F- uh, FBS program, uh, it's about relationships. And so there was a relationship or there is a relationship, um, you know, between the schools. And, you know, they thought it would be great, you know, for, for their profile. Uh, we obviously thought it would be great for our brand and our profile. And, uh, and, and again, it's, it's a celebration of HBCUs. We're going to have honor, uh, honorary head coaches uh, on both teams, Black College Legends. Um, you know, you're talking about the flagship Michael Jordan school. With the University of North Carolina, we're the flagship LeBron James school here at FAMU, you know. So you got that to play up as well. And um, again, it, it, it's a game that I think will do a lot for both institutions, you know, and so we're excited about the opportunity to go to Chapel Hill. Um, one of my fondest memories in college as a quarterback was in Chapel Hill, you know, my freshman year when we, uh, you know, when I broke uh, the school record for touchdown passes mm-hmm. in the game. And so, again, um, looking forward to getting back to Kenan Stadium and hopefully can relive some of that magic we <laughs> had in uh, in 2000. Hopefully we don't have to be down by 17 like we were when I, when I came into the game, but uh, hopefully we can have the same type of result. And you mean they let you back in the stadium and gave you a game?
0: You mean that after after you did that to them years and years ago?
1: Well, I'm not playing quarterback for them, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm on the sideline. I can't throw a ball this time. So they, I think they'll welcome me with open arms.
0: Yeah, last night you said Fadul, Chris Fadul, your your punters. Yeah, that's right. Now that I remember, he had the end the season-ending injury last year. Boy, he can. I mean, he's got a leg. He was an HBCU All-American a couple of. Years ago, speak to him how healthy he is and just the importance of having him as the as your punter.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Chris McDougall, uh has been, you know, one of the most consistent punters in America since uh, 2018. You know, obviously led FCS football in, in punting in 2018, finished second in 2019 uh, by less than, than a yard per punt. Um, obviously, we opted out of play in 2020 due to the pandemic. Uh, and then when he came back in twenty-one. You know, just had a, a frequency, uh, you know, incident way towards ACL against South Florida and missed the rest of the season. So, you know, he's going through rehab. He's, he's, he's you know, not showing any signs of, of um, any effects from ACL. And um, he's still the same for Dua. You know, you look up every day, he's booting 50, 55, 60 yard punts in the air and um, still sounding like a cannon when it comes off his foot. So, again, we're excited to have him. Uh, but also Jose Romo Martinez, you know, who's a first-team all-conference performer as a place kicker, took over punt and do this for Fadul last year. So between Chris Fadul, Jose, and, uh, and KDOT, you know, Jamari Sheree as a punt returner, um, I don't know many teams in America that can boast two national leaders as specialists. You know, we have a punter who's led the nation in punting. We have a returner who's led the nation in punt return yards, and Jose finished top 15 nationally in, in punting and in field goals. So again, uh, top to bottom, I I feel we have maybe the strongest specialist group, uh, in the country, not just in the swag, HBCU football, but in the nation because all three of those guys are big time talents and uh, they're going to give us a chance to flip the field a bunch, uh, put points on points on the board. And that's what special teams is.
0: Yeah. Uh, last thought opening with, with Carol, that's tough. Opening with Carolina and then a conference game, to start unlike last year where you opened the season against, against uh, Jackson State. But, I mean, it, the schedule is what it is. I mean, you just have to prepare for it. It is what it is. But just your thoughts on that, that's – uh, it's a, it's a tall task.
1: Well, it is. You know, obviously, the old saying to be the best, you have to beat the best. And so, uh, you look at our schedule this year, you know, it's not just those two. Um, we have the fortune this season of playing three conference champions and a Power five opponent, you know. So, again, you're talking about North Carolina, who's in the ACC, uh, the next week, Jackson State, you know, who won the SWAC. Uh, the week after that, Albany State, who won the SIEC. Uh, and then later on, we go up to Orangeburg to take on South Carolina State the winner of the MEAC. And so uh, we definitely have a schedule that will challenge this team physically and mentally to see if we're prepared to, 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 to perform week in and week out. And that's what it's going to take, you know, to win this division, to win this conference, uh, to win the celebration bowl. It's going to take our guys understanding the daily grind that it takes to be successful, you know. Last year when we entered the the, the SWAC, uh, you know, we we uh, people around kind of dubbed the SWAC as the as the as the, uh, the the SEC of FCS football, you know, because of the weekly grind. When you're talking about playing Jackson, and then turn around the next week you may have Alabama A&M or or Southern or Grambling or. You know, a, a really good, you know, team down the road in, in Daytona, right? And even on, on the west side with, with Prairie we don't say their name. I, I uh, see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the Prairie View and all those teams. So, again, it, it's, a, it's a great conference. Um, top to bottom, I think everyone is getting better. You look at the recruits that we brought in. You look at the coaches that have, uh, that, that have taken over these programs. Um, I, I really, really feel like SWAC football will, will have as much excitement as it's had Probably since the heyday, the glory days of Eddie Robinson and and and, and Billy Nix and, and Marino Casam and Pete Richardson and all those guys. I mean, you you got some some, some giants collashing on the field, uh, you know, figuratively speaking this year. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. But again, I think anyone who's a who's a, a fanatic of, of HBCU football, uh, this will be a swag year that many people will, will talk about for a long time. One of the very few games
0: opening the opening week of college football. Florida A&M playing in one of those games at the University of North Carolina on Saturday, August 27th. The game in his fifth season as the head football coach at Florida A&M is Willie Simmons joining us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Coach Simmons, appreciate the time. Uh, Good luck to you
1: and the Rattlers this season. Thank you. Appreciate it, Donald. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Go Rattlers.